So um, some of you uh, have met Emily. She's been with us a number of times, but you may not. So I thought I'd reintroduce her just so you would know some things about her. I didn't tell her what I was going to say. So, so you know, um, Elon Musk bought Twitter. It's now called X. You may not care about that, but I would not have met Emily had it not been for that little social media app. And since then, we've be, become friends, and, and she's been with us a time or two. Emily is the daughter of a pastor I met in 1994, and she has been involved in the life of the church. If you uh, grew up like I did, you were on the cradle roll in a Baptist church. Emily would have been on the cradle roll in a Baptist church. She was on staff in the cradle, probably. She probably ran the nursery from the cradle. But, uh, and so she has, has uh, been uh, around us, uh, our, our group of people, our tribe, if you will, for a long time. Uh, graduated from OBU and has served on church staffs in a variety of positions. And, uh, and so uh, she knows us. I'm not saying us necessarily here, but she knows us, our, our group of people. So when, uh, we were, when I was thinking through what to do for the season of Advent, I thought Mary's song was an appropriate song to spend four weeks with. Um, and maybe that's because we had just finished Revel- Revelation, and there are plenty of songs of revolution in Revelation. And Mary's song is certainly a song of revolution. And, uh, and so we'll, we'll look at that and, and talk about that. And so I invited her because the first Sunday uh, is it's Mary's song. So hearing from uh, someone who's uh, a mother and a friend and uh, someone who's very acquainted with the scriptures uh, might help us think through the, that song in a, in a different way than maybe what we would normally. So we're all glad that Emily's here with us. And Sean, would you come read those first few verses of Luke 1? Good morning. We'll be reading uh, Luke 1, 46 through 49. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now and all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. turned myself on before I got up here today, so already starting out ahead. Hi. I am so glad to be with you today. Can you guys hear me? Are we good? Did I mess up my mic? Okay. Um, Yeah, so when Todd emailed me and asked me about being here today, I was very excited. Um, I realized in talking to some friends that I have never actually heard a sermon on the Magnificat in my entire life, which I guess after today I still won't be because I'll be the one talking, but won't have. But um, So I'll just have to listen to the live stream of Todd and Paul for the next few weeks, I guess, to rectify that. But um, yeah, I'm, I, I feel very honored that he invited me to come introduce this, um, this series with you guys. Uh, like Todd said, I've been here with you guys quite a bit. Um, 
And, and so we're going to look in the scriptures today and, um, and see what they have to say to us. But um, I'm also going to share some things with you from my heart um, that I think we as Southern Baptists need to hear. Um, and so I would, um, I just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that. Um, Todd and I t- talked about it, and uh, I, I, I think that we are in a moment of choosing who we're going to be. And I think that Mary's song and the, and the biblical context that it ari- arises from has some things to tell us about that. Um, so, um, so every year on the app formerly known as Twitter, um, and probably on Facebook too, I don't know, I, Facebook makes me tired, I don't look at it, um, there's this discourse about the song, Mary, Did You Know, right? Do you guys know that this happens? Like, people are like, of course she didn't know, like, how could she know everything? And then there's other people who are like, obviously she knew, like, Gabriel told her, and the answer is like, both, right? Like, did she know all the specific things in that song that happened, like, how they were going to happen? Like, no, but also, like, it's rhetorical, right? <clears throat> but the Magnificat tells us, like, yeah, Mary knew. She knew that Gabriel's message to her of, you're going to bear a son, and he's going to be the promised child in Isaiah, she knew that this is turning over the tables and flipping the economies of the kingdom of this world. She knows and that's why her song, like, like, um, like the series is titled, is a song of revolution because it's turning upside down the kingdoms of this world. And we know that she knows that because her song tells us that she knows, right? Um, so real quick, when I say economy, I don't mean like economy, like how we say like the things that we buy and sell and how much money we have. I mean like the way that we order the world, right? What we have value what we, what we give value to, right? And so the economy, the order of the kingdoms of the world gets flipped upside down by this baby that has been announced to Mary. And so, and so Mary, in her song, she is, she is the first prophet of the new covenant, which the prophecy stuff in the and, and remember, being a prophet doesn't mean like you tell what's going to happen in the future. It's that you stand before the people of God and say, this is what God says. This is who he is and this is what he does. And so, and so Mary's song is a song of prophecy. It's saying this is who God is. And this is what he does for his people and for all the peoples of the world. And so Mary's the first prophet of this, of this new, it's not John the Baptist, it's Mary. She declares what is coming. And she's also the first psalmist. And so, and so she, she sings this psalm of thanksgiving to God for what he has done and what he is going to do. And so in the same way that she, she is also a, a descendant, a member of the house of David, And so she follows her father, David, as a psalmist, announcing what God has done for her and what he's going to do through her for all people. And 
And so Mary's song is just, it's seeped in scripture. And, and here's, here's, why this is, here's why this is significant, right? Because, because the New Testament refers to the Old Testament constantly, right? The New Testament writers do. But Mary's a woman, which means she can't go to the synagogue school. She can't go into the temple and participate. She can't, in some cases, depending, even be taught to read the scriptures. And, but she knows what the promise of the scripture is. Someone has taught her. And so, and so when the messenger of the Lord comes to her, and then she goes to Elizabeth, and this is going to be really important, she goes to Elizabeth, and she recognizes in her cousin Elizabeth an echo of what has already happened in the people of God. And so she echoes that story in the beginning of her song. So, so listen to verses 46 and following. Mary says, My soul praises the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. This beginning of Mary's song actually echoes another song sung by another woman who, like Elizabeth, is going to give birth to the prophet that will pave the way for the king. So in 1 Samuel, there's a woman named Hannah, and she is barren. She doesn't have a baby. And her husband's other wife has lots of sons. And, and so here's what happens in this culture. A, a woman's whole value is measured by, by how many sons she has. That's the economy of this culture regarding women. And so Hannah is already low because she's a woman, and then she's a, then she's a sonless woman, and then she's a childless woman. And so she is, the, she is brought low by her condition. And so she pleads with God, God, give me a son, and I will give him back to you. He will be anointed and consecrated for you. And so she has a son. His name is Samuel. They take him to Eli at the temple. And Samuel is the prophet who ushers in the kingdom of David. Right? And, and listen, listen to Hannah's song that she, or prayer. She says, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is lifted up. My mouth boasts over my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Do not boast so proudly or let arrogant words come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge and actions are weighed by him. The bows of the warriors are broken. The feeble are clothed with strength. Those who hire themselves out for food and those who are starving hunger no more the woman who is childless childless gives birth to seven but the woman with many sons piles pines away the lord brings death and gives life he sends some down to the grave and raises others up the lord brings poverty and gives wealth he humbles and exalts he raises the poor up from the dust and lifts the needy from the trash heap he sets them with noblemen and gives them a throne of honor for the foundation of the earth are the Lord's, and he sets the world on them. He guards the steps of his faithful ones, but the wicked perish in darkness. For a person does not prevail by his own strength. 
Those who oppose the Lord are shattered. He will thunder from the heavens against him and judge the ends of the earth. He will give power to his king and lift up the horn of his anointed one. And so Hannah's prayer of thanksgiving at her barrenness and her lowliness being set right is this prophetic proclamation of who God is. And this son that she bears is is the prophet who goes into the temple and he anoints the chosen one of God whose throne will continue forever and ever. And so Mary goes to her cousin Elizabeth and the baby inside of Elizabeth, who Elizabeth, like Hannah, is old and childless. And so, and so that makes her low and less. And, and so when her husband, Zechariah, goes into the temple, the angel of the Lord tells Zechariah, you're going to have a son. And then, and then she, has, she um, becomes with child. And, and Mary goes to her after the angel Gabriel comes to her and And this child who echoes Samuel recognizes in Mary the fulfillment of this promise that everything barren will eventually bear fruit. And that the king that Samuel anoints with oil is just the the forerunner of this king that that Elizabeth's son will declare in the wilderness who will sit on David's throne and make all things right, not just in Israel, but in all of creation. And so the beginning of Mary's song echoes Hannah's song, and it's this recognition that Elizabeth is this echo and this fulfillment of Hannah, and that the son that she's going to bear is this echo and this fulfillment of Samuel of this prophet who prepares the way for the coming king. And and here's the thing. In Hannah's story, the baby is taken to the temple, which is the seat of power at that time, right? The high priest rules everything. And so the baby's taken to the temple, and, he be- and, and he's, he's the seat of authority. And so what we already see in this echoing back is the flipping upside down of the economy, right? Because, because John the Baptist doesn't go to the temple, and he goes to the palaces, but it doesn't work out very well, right? And so what happens is John the Baptist flips upside down the economy of of who the prophet is and what the coming king is going to look like because he's the man out in the wilderness, not in the seat of power, declaring that there is one coming who is going to flip upside down the kingdoms of this world and set up his new kingdom that's going to have a completely different economy. And there's another... (laughs) flipping upside down that happens even before we get to this, which is that Gabriel comes to Mary. See, over and over again in we scripture, we have these stories of a messenger of the Lord coming to Abraham and telling him that Sarah is going to have a child, coming to Zechariah. This is the first time 
that the angel comes to the woman and says, you, you are the vessel of the promise. Not Abraham, not the high priest. You're the one who has been chosen favored. And so, and so again, remember, Mary is not even allowed to participate in the temple system. She's not the one who the lineage passes through. And so just the simple fact that the messenger comes to her, it flips upside down the idea of what it means to be chosen and called of God to deliver the promise of his blessing to his people. Um, another echo in Mary's song is in verse 49. And, and it echoes Psalm 126, which um, Psalm 126, we don't know who wrote it. Um, it's probably a song um, written in the, in the return of the captives from Babylon to Israel, okay? And so, and so it's a song of revolution. It's a psalm of the economies of this world being flipped upside down, of Babylon, the ultimate empire of this world, being flipped upside down and people being set free from it. And so here's what Psalm 126 says. When the Lord restored the captives of Zion, we were like those who dream. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with joyful shouting. And they will say among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Restore us, Lord, like water in the Negev. That's a desert. Those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. Those who go along weeping, carrying the bag of seed, he will surely come back with shouts of joy, carrying his sheaves. So listen, hear this. This song of, of empire being upended and God liberating his people and restoring them to righteousness, it ends with those who go weeping will find their seed turned to fruit. And again, we see this picture of barrenness turning into blessing, right? And so, and so even this psalm of return of the captives from Babylon is this picture of what is barren and made low, being flipped upside down in the economy of the coming king so that his blessing and his goodness and his greatness is made known among all people because of what God has done. And so Mary echoes their songs because she sees in Elizabeth this culmination of God bringing blessing and restoration where there has been barrenness and brokenness. And she recognizes that not just in the already of Elizabeth and her barrenness being set right, but there's already the not yet of the empire under which her people are living under Rome and the empire of the spirit of this age. That, that the king who is yet coming is going to set all of that upside down to make it right. 
And so Mary's song is this prayer of thanksgiving for what God has already done and this prophetic word of because this is who he is, this is what he is going to do. And this, and, and this announcement, this recognition of the prophet John from within Mary's womb, or Elizabeth's womb, of Jesus inside Mary's womb is the first blow against the spirit of this age and its economy and its empire. Um, Mary's song is the song of a woman bearing the fruit of God's blessing and restoration in her body to its completion, right? Not the echoes, not the promises, but the fullness of it. It's a God who lifts up the lowly like Hannah and casts down the mighty like Babylon. It's weeping turned to joy and wrong set right. It's the song of a woman at war with the empire of her age who does, with alongside a God who does good and great things for her and through her, against her enemy since the garden. It's the song of a woman taking the first step on the head of the serpent. The first blow against sin and death and its economy in her world. Sorry. Um, so, we're... We're going to get to a story. Are you guys surprised that we're going to get to a story that I like? We're going to get to a story that I like. Um, my youngest and I, uh, we read um, books together, but, like, I don't want to read because then my voice gets tired. And so we listen to audiobooks and read along. And so for about a year, because when you do it in 20 or 30-minute segments, it takes about a year, we were listening to um, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. And <clears throat> one of, like, it's right there with Narnia as, like, one of my go-tos. Um, and so, but I, I've never done it in 20-minute segments over the course of a year. Um, usually I read the whole thing in a few days. Um, and so breaking it down in those little clumps and having a conversation with a nine-year-old about it as we go, um, really kind of gave me a different perspective on it, made me think about it some more. Um, and and since, since this summer, when we were reading this passage of the return of the king, I've been thinking about Eowyn. So I'm going to tell you about Eowyn. Eowyn is a shield maiden of Rohan, which you guys know Lord of the Rings, you've seen the movies? Yeah? Okay. Um, so it's okay if you don't know, I'm going to tell you. Um, so here's what happens. There, there is an evil empire of the world, of this world, a spirit of the age that takes, that takes good things and twists them and breaks them, turns fruit into barrenness, sets, sets up power and principalities, and wants to bring everyone else low underneath it, Right? And, and so there's this lady, Eowyn. Her grandfather is the king. Her uncle is the current king. Her brother is the future king, okay? So she's a daughter of kings. Um, Eowyn lives in a household 
that's economy has been twisted by the lies of the evil one. There's a guy there named Wormtongue, which, like, they should have figured it out. His name is Wormtongue, right? Um, but there's this guy there named Wormtongue, and he's, he's whispering lies to those in power for the sake of propping up this economy of empire over the household that Awen finds herself in. And, and what happens is a prophet comes and declares the truth, and some people don't want to hear it, but eventually they realize that we have to go to battle with this. There, there's no pretending that it doesn't affect us. There's no shutting ourselves off from it. We have to go to battle against this evil empire so that people can live in the light. And so the men all prepare to go to battle. And, and they tell Eowyn, no, 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 you stay home. And Eowyn has been the most affected by the lies of the worm tongue. She, she has been, she, has the, she is the one who has felt his poison most bitterly. And Eowyn says, I will go and do my duty for my king and my people. And she disguises herself as a soldier. She picks up a hobbit and hides him in her saddlebag, and they ride to war with the warriors. And they get to the war, and there's this demon thing called a Nazgul, the king of the Nazgul. And he's like the lieutenant, the emissary of the evil empire. And he's this being that no living man can kill. And so Eowyn finds herself face to face with this demon. And this is one of the only things where the movie is better than the book and the entirety of like all of movies made about books. Um, so Eowyn finds herself face to face with this demon. And, and he laughs at her and says, don't you know no living man can slay me? And she rips off her helmet dramatically and her hair falls down and she says, I am no man. And she plunges her sword into the heart of darkness. And she, she does not win the battle. <laughs> but she lands the first blow that only she can land against the empire of the age, against the enemy of her people and all that is right and good. And, and that's what Mary's song is like to me. It is only a woman who can land this first blow. So here's the thing about Tolkien. He's Catholic. Um, and Catholics tend to have a theology of economy more than we do. Like this idea of how we order things and what we give value to matters. And, and it's an outworking of our formal theology, right? And so Tolkien is full of this of this theology of economy, right? 
and what Tolkien does over and over and over is he flips upside down the economy of the world he's created. It's not, it's not the wizards. It's not the high kings of the elves. It's not the warrior. It's a mere woman who strikes this blow against the demon that no other person can strike. It's, it's not Gandalf. It's not Aragorn. It's not Elrond. It's, it's a hobbit. Literally someone who is low and dismissed and overlooked who marches into the heart of darkness and destroys its power. Over and over and over again, Tolkien is telling us, you're looking for victory through might and the way that we join in with our creator to set things right in this good world that, that our creator made is through small goodness. And so over and over again, the hero in the Lord of the Rings is the low and the less and the dismissed and the overlooked. And that's also the theme of Luke's gospel. There's a reason that Luke is the one who starts out with Mary's song. Because over and over and over again in Luke, he tells us of God's special concern for the low and the less and the outcast, the poor, the sick, women, Gentiles, the people who the economy of the present age have put in captivity, have made low. And Luke over and over and over again says, the king who is coming lifts up the lowly and his kingdom flips upside down this economy where to become the greatest you must be the least right and so we see the first glimpse of that here in Mary's song where she's announcing that this coming kingdom that she is going to give birth to from her body is going to be a kingdom that flips everything upside down Um, Mary's not great. She's not powerful. She's not particularly valuable or valorous. She's just a girl. And that is who God chooses to deliver this initial blow where he inaugurates the final defeat of the spirit of this age. And I'm gonna tell you from my heart, sometimes I feel like we, like the people of Rohan, we in our broader culture, we in our church world, um, particularly our Southern Baptist church world, we have let in the lies of the wormed tongue that have kept us focused on the wrong things and unwilling to hear the prophetic truth of who we are supposed to be. And, and we're in this moment of of turning our eyes away from evil 
while at the same time telling those who may be the ones who can strike the blow against it, no, 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 you stay home and go in there. And I've got to tell you, I don't think we can take Mary's song seriously and do that and be the people of God. We are in a moment where we could throw open the doors and let the light shine in and say we are not going to be shaped by, by the one who has been lying about men and women to each other since the garden. We are not going to let our view of who has value be shaped by the lies from the garden. We are not going to let our, our economy be ordered by sin and by death. And if we do that, we would be empowered to root that out from among us, that darkness that has grown among us in hidden places. And not only that, we would be empowered to go alongside our king to wage war against the spirits of this world in a way that we would be hampered without every single person, no matter their position or power, fighting alongside us. And so I'm going to tell you, as a woman in the SBC, I feel a lot of the time like Eowyn. And, and my, my conviction is that I'm going to say, I am no man. That's true. It says it on my T-shirt. Um, it's from the Lord of the Rings. Okay. Um, I am no man, that's true. But I learned from scripture over and over again that he calls women to do things that only women can do. And I am going to go march alongside my king to wage war against the spirit of this age and set things right and turn over the tables of empire for the sake of my people and all people everywhere. And, and the lies from the garden that have snuck into our household through people with worm tongues who are protecting their own power and their own empires, they're not going to tell me what to do. And, and they shouldn't tell you what to do either, from my heart to yours. Because, this, because Mary's song tells us That, that the victory from Jesus is born from the low and the less. And so if we're spending all of our time telling the low and the less of our culture what they're not allowed to do, we are missing out on what God has already set in motion to bring, bar to bring barrenness to fruitfulness and to set captives free. So I, for me, 
am going to invite you to join in with Mary's song, that our soul magnifies the Lord, the mighty one who has done great things for us and is still doing great things and will continue to do great things until every seed blossoms into good fruit and every captive is set free and the economies of this world are turned upside down for the just and righteous kingdom of the one who sits on David's throne and reigns forever and ever. And we are filled with joy because of his holy name, the name above every name, Jesus, Son of God, born of woman, Savior of all things, who sets all things right. Amen and amen.